Welcome to A Gamer's Story. I'm Noah Geekus, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming? And their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guests for today's episode of A Gamer Story, Pokemon trading card game player and content creator, Tricky Jim. Tricky Jim is not only here to discuss all things Pokemon, but to give you a glimpse into the daily life of a professional gamer. Have you ever wondered how all that content gets posted on YouTube or just how many hours he spends on Twitch live streaming Pokemon every day? Tricky Jim is here to talk about what goes into creating content on Twitch and YouTube and to answer questions about the benefits of being a professional gamer. I'm excited for you to learn some things that you might not know about my guest, Andrew Mahone, also known as Tricky Jim. Let's jump right in. Welcome to another episode of A Gamer Story. And uh, today I am joined by Tricky Jim, otherwise known as Andrew Mahone. And I'm so excited that you are here with me today. Uh, thank you for joining me on my podcast. Of course, Noah, and thank you so much for having me. All right, are you ready to get into the interview? Of course. Okay, so the first thing that I wanted to ask you, because I had some personal questions of my own, is how do you think that battle styles affected current Pokemon? Battle styles is a really neat set because it introduces a brand new mechanic to the Pokemon trading card game with rapid strike and single strike Pokemon. So it just brings some new life to the game, which is uh, really interesting. I really like that. And it's a lot of fun to play with. This is going to be a new mechanic that is seen in sets to come, which I think is going to be an awesome addition to the Pokemon TCG. Now, one of the challenges of creating a card game is keeping it fresh, keeping it uh, fun and, and different, yet still feeling the same, right? The Pokemon trading card game has been out for 20 years. And uh, the game has definitely evolved over that time. Now we've got Pokemon that have 340 hit points and uh, give up three prize cards. Uh, there's certainly uh, <laughs> certainly a lot of uh, you know development that happens in the Pokemon TCG. And I think that uh, the idea of having different kind of uh, stances for your Pokemon, like a rapid strike stance or single strike stance, that that then they get to be paired together in different kinds of ways. I think that's a, it's a, it's a nice idea, and I think that it's, it's been fun to play with so far. Rapid Striker Sheep of VMAX definitely been the best card out of Battle Styles, uh, and Victini VMAX as well. So the Rapid Strike cards seem to be doing the best as far as the Rapid Strike and Single Strike cards go. And uh, Victini VMAX also a nice addition to, uh, to Fire-type Pokemon, so I really like that card too. Wow, you are right on the money. Because the next question I was going to ask was, is rapid? Do you think rapid strike is better than a single strike, or vice versa? But you, you, you got there before I did, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. So I know that recently you've been doing renovations to like your general area. So how has that been going? I know that you you have uh, over there on your side like Galarian Zapdos and all your other stuff, and you're going to be changing that out. Do you have an idea for the next thing you're going to put there? So. The studio has been kind of constantly evolving over uh, the time that I've been a content creator. I started out uh, making videos just in my bedroom, you know, with a webcam and a little 
know, tapestry hanging behind me. I then started uh, started making videos at Full Grip Games. I had a small little room built for me in uh, in the shop. And the shop, you know, it's only had only been open for a few years, so it wasn't super big yet. And uh, and the space was more than enough for me at the time, and it was certainly a lot better than the bedroom that I had been filming in before, but I quickly outgrew that space. But fortunately, as I've been growing as a channel, Fulgur Games has also been growing as a business as well. And now I just got into literally last week, got into this new studio space, which is like 40 feet long and uh, is really just so much space. I'm very thankful for Fulgur for providing the space for me. And I've been making renovations to the studio and just, uh, trying to be creative and figure out how I'm going to utilize uh, all this space effectively. Right now, I've got a booster box of Chilling Rain up here, which I'm very excited about. The Pokemon company sent me this. I got this on a little ladder here next to the studio. Can't open it yet, but on June 4th, <laughs> uh, June 4th, we get to open this thing and check out all the newest parts from Chilling Rain. So I'm definitely excited about that. And I'll usually keep different kinds of featured products up here on the shelf next to me, like we had a, a box of Dragon Shields as well. Dragon Shields sends me free products and the uh, channel is sponsored by Dragon Shields. Very excited about that as well. Very thankful for Dragon Shield uh, supporting the channel. That's awesome. They send you free product. And, and also that you have Chilling Ray earlier than it's actually out, which is super cool. Uh, hopefully one day I'll get a sponsor like that. <laughs> Cough, sponsor me, cough. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But what decks do you think are actually dominating the metagame? Uh, it's a lot of Pikachu and Zekrom Tag Team GX and a lot of Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia GX decks. I think that as the game has continued to progress and the Sword and Shield era cards has uh, been released and there's Pokemon VMAX and things like that, the tag team Pokemon that were released during the end of the Sun and Moon era have really stood out as being the most powerful Pokemon cards ever printed, right? Even in a format with 340 hit point behemoth Pokemon, 330 hit point Pokemon, the basic Pokemon that have 270, 280 hit points are some of the best Pokemon in the game still. And it's because they're basic Pokemon. So we've seen a lot of Mewtwo and Mew decks as well. The Pikachu and Zekrom deck runs Mewtwo and Mew tag team GX another big one and then also Reshiram and Charizard has still been out there with Welder and uh, Blacephalon still uh, still making a lot of top finishes so I think that the tag team decks are definitely the uh, still the decks to beat in the Pokemon TCG yeah ADP definitely definitely at the top still I mean even after Battle Styles came out but I, I do think that we, we are seeing a lot of uh, new Urshifu builds and it is trying to find a little bit of a home here. I don't For know sure. if we found a specific one yet, but next thing. So in one of your latest videos, I heard that Twitter uh, attacked you for playing Aegislash V. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you think that do you think that card is uh, viable? And do you think that they're correct or wrong? Or well, the thing about putting you know various tech cards in your list is that. Uh, you can't say whether it's, you know, the right or the wrong thing to do, because that depends on what decks you're about to face at the tournament. If you're about to face a bunch of Altaria decks and Decidueye decks and decks that wall off Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia, 
then you're going to want to have that Aegislash in the deck. But <laughs> if you're going into a metagame where that deck is pretty underrepresented, then the Aegislash can be left out. So it all, the answer is it depends, right? Uh, I think that Altaria has been seeing a big increase in play lately, as has Decidueye. So I think that one card that automatically wins you a matchup is worth the space, especially if it's going to be represented at an event, and I think it has been lately. Now, eventually, there will be enough hate in the format for those kinds of decks to see their way out, and then you don't have to play it anymore. But then as soon as everybody stops playing the tech, then those decks come back. So it's this back and forth, constant back and forth, and it's all about timing as to figuring out when the best time to play a card is. Mm, that makes that makes a lot of sense because. But how many do you think that you should play? If just you're one. A, just one. One think, Aegis Slash is enough to beat pretty much all of the wall decks. Yeah. And then obviously you want like searchability with like quick ball and stuff like that, of right? Course, so you can get course. it out. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. So um, on to the next question. <laughs> What's the day in the life of a Pokemon player? Pokemon player. Yeah. So this is my job. This is what I do. I come to work every day. I mean, I feel like I've got the, you know, the dream job. I certainly love what I do and I'm very thankful for it. You know, this job didn't come out of thin air. I had to, you know, kind of work for it and create a job because the job didn't exist yet, really. Um, I've been playing the Pokemon TCG for about 10 years. Professional Pokemon trading card game players didn't really exist uh, for a long time. There are only a few people who have been able to make a living doing it, and it's not easy. And everybody kind of has their own different way. The people that have been able to been able to make a living doing Pokemon cards. For me, started out you know creating content, and and now and now I'm sponsored by Full Grip Games. So every day I wake up, I have a nice cup of coffee, and read the news, and then I end up coming into the studio. I start my stream live at about 9:30 a.m. every day. So I'll wake up, get myself prepared for the day, stream from about 9.30 to 3 p.m., so about five to six hours, uh, usually about five hours. And then as soon as I'm done at 3 p.m., I start making YouTube videos. So I stream live on Twitch for about five hours, and then I start making YouTube videos. So I'll go through the games that I played on stream. I'll find some of the best ones. I'll record some bits, some different parts for YouTube to kind of help give context to the parts of the stream that I'm going to show off on YouTube. And uh, and then I make thumbnails. I have to Photoshop my own thumbnails and do all that. And that usually takes another couple hours. So between, you know, five hours of streaming a day and about three hours of then cutting up video and making YouTube videos and thumbnails, that's a full eight hour day. So it is uh, it's a lot of work uh, running both the Twitch channel and the YouTube channel. Sometimes, you know, if uh, if Full Grip needs some help with like a graphic or something like that, I can do that because I know how to do Photoshop in my studios right here. So there's no point in really Full Grip Games, you know, hiring out a different artist when I can just do that kind of stuff. And then I have, uh, you know, other odds and ends that I do. Sometimes I, I take, you know, pictures of things for, for videos. I have to do photography and stuff like that. And uh, sometimes I do work for Pokemon. Pokemon's been hiring me lately to make videos for their YouTube channel and write articles and things like that so uh every once in a while i got some some work to do for the pokemon company as well uh which has been a lot of fun so definitely enjoying it wow 
Yeah, and again, you got, for me, for the next question was literally, how long ago did you start playing Pokemon? And you you already answered it. It's like 10 years. Only. <laughs> 10 years. It's yeah, so I started funny. playing. I started playing when I was 22. I mean, I guess I have been I've been playing Pokemon cards since I was 10. 1999, they came out, you know, and I started collecting cards and then fell in love with the franchise and all of that. But I didn't and I bought cards when I was in high school too. just did it casually. I was actually more into the video game at first because I was a runner in college. And I would uh, go to different cross country meets on on the bus and, you know, track meets and things like that. And uh, I wanted something to do when I was on these long bus rides. And this was before smartphones were out. Okay, there were no smartphone. I didn't have a smartphone. Okay, it was just so I was playing on my Nintendo DS. You know, I had a, uh, you know, the (laughs) Diamond and Pearl games and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So a lot of fun to play those. My dad just bought me like this, uh, uh, the Game Boy uh, Advance SP. Uh, oh like, yes, that's a few years ago. And a I retro console it. now, I, huh? Yeah, and then he <laughs> got me. Uh, he got, and then for my birthday or for like Christmas or whenever it was, I forget. But he got me a Pokemon Silver and Gold, and I was oh, like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Wow, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Those, those games are older than you are. That's crazy. I know. But uh, but yeah, so I started off with a video game, and then when I graduated college, I was done with running. I was looking for something else to compete in. Uh, I ended up going to a video game tournament, had a lot of fun, and then started getting into the Pokemon cards. And I started, and then I've been playing the Pokemon cards competitively for about ten years. So, yeah, so I, wow, I'm in my thirties now. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm now I'm thirty-two. I started when I was about twenty-two. So, yeah. Wow, ten years—that's such a long time. Uh, how do you like stick with it? Why do you continue playing? It's just fun, I guess. The real reason I continue playing is the friendships, the friends that I've met playing the game. It's uh, really, I love competition. I'm a competitive person, but, you know, I don't live and die by competition. It's not uh, the thing that drives me to do what I do. I consider competition fun, but really, you know, competing is just a way to make friends in my mind. Um, And it's a way to kind of interact and, uh, and build lasting relationships in a community. And I think that's one of the most important things. Uh, that you can do in in life is build lasting relationships and build positive friendships. And uh, the Pokemon community is a place where I've really found a lot of that. I met my fiance Natalie through Pokemon, and I love her very much and very thankful for the relationship that we have. I've met some of my best friends through Pokemon as well, and uh, you know made a lot of uh, you know connections with people that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I could say the same thing about running. I ran competitively from when I was about your age in about seventh grade till I graduated college. So from the age of about 13 to 21, I was a competitive runner. So that uh, was a significant chunk of my life. And I had a lot of fun doing that. But when I graduated college, I was kind of burnt out from running. I still run casually for fun, uh, but I, I wanted another way to compete that maybe was a little bit more interactive or, you know, it was less, uh, you know, less all physical or maybe some mental uh, involvement. So not that there's not mental involvement in running, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so getting into competing in the cards was a lot of fun. And it was also a way for me to make new friends. And I've made a lot of lasting friendships running as well. Uh, some of my best friends I've met, you know, on the cross country teams and the track teams that I've been a part of. And Pokemon has, has been the same thing in, in my life. So just a great community. And at this point, 
even if I don't like absolutely love the game, which I do, but even if I didn't, I would probably still stick around for the price. Yeah, I mean, definitely I've made a lot of friends playing like uh, card games like that. I go to like comic book store like every weekend, like continuous cycle. And I have so many people there who just know me and know me by name. Like they're like, hey, what's up, Noah? And I'm like, hey. And it's just great. You don't need to like win or anything to be a part of this this giant community. And I think that that's just a big part of what Pokemon is and what card games are in general. For sure. So moving on to the next thing, what was the goal of your YouTube channel? Wow. The goal of my YouTube channel when I first started just just to create, really, just to create and to, and to have fun doing it. I have been making videos my almost my whole life. I started making my own skateboarding videos uh, again when I was about your age. I started skateboarding, too, and started filming me and my friends skateboarding. I taught myself how to use Photoshop. I taught myself how to edit videos and being a creative person and creating you know, digital content, something that I've been doing my whole life. I mean, basically since I was a, you know, a young teenager. So, you know, ever, ever since I had a computer, I was figuring out how to make different things on that computer. So, you know, when I went away to college, I got a degree in digital photography and digital art. So that was what I studied and I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but this is the kind of stuff that I like to do. So throughout my 20s, I kind of had done various different things. I was an art teacher for a while. I uh, was a photojournalist for a little while. But eventually, you know, when I got good enough at Pokemon, right? Because I played Pokemon throughout my 20s too. But eventually I got good enough at Pokemon that I was like, you know what? I can actually create content that would be worth watching for Pokemon. So I think I'll take my skills that I have developed over my entire life and start applying them to this hobby, this hobby that I really enjoy. So at first, you know, the goal was just to create, but now the goal has, uh, has kind of moved. Um, now my goal is to create a, a welcoming and loving community where people can build lasting relationships and lasting friendships. So that's something that I'm really trying to do as Tricky Jim is to offer a place where people feel welcome and and feel like it's a positive atmosphere and where they can just meet with other gamers and uh, other people who are Pokemon fans and just enjoy that community there. Because like I've said before, you know, making friends and, and things like that, that's one of the most important parts to me about playing a tabletop game. And one of the differences of playing a tabletop game as opposed to a digital game is that you're going to sit down with somebody and play with them, you know, across the table and meet up and, and do that kind of stuff. And that's one of the things that I really love about Pokemon cards and what drew me to the uh, to the game in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, interaction is super important. I mean, this morning I was just watching a video about how when you talk to your opponents, it's actually like a really cool experience and like interaction. Like like when you sit down and you start talking to your opponents about, hey, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And like they're talking about this new card. And you're like, oh, I love that card. Or like, oh, I dislike that card. And they have like the same or a different opinion. You can just talk about that. That's one of the best like experiences that you can have. For sure. When you're just sitting across from like it from the, to the table from someone who is uh who's just like you from someone who just knows exactly what you like like what you like and they you know what they like and it's awesome just to feel like that so that was a, a great explanation um on to the next question 
how often do you play other games, like video games, maybe if you ever played another card game? Uh, every once in a while, I do play a lot of Pokemon cards. I mean, just because I, to- I stream five to six hours a day, and then when I'm done streaming, I'm making YouTube videos about Pokemon cards. So I play Pokemon cards almost all day, every day, which is a lot of Pokemon to play. So when I am at home doing my own free time stuff, sometimes I'll play different kinds of Pokemon cards that I don't get to play on stream. A lot of times I won't play standard format because I spend all day playing standard format. So I really don't feel like I need to play anymore. But I'll play maybe old decks with friends or I'll play maybe a cube drafting format or something like that. Different ways to play Pokemon cards that that I don't get to play on stream. Uh, I enjoy doing that with friends. Sometimes I'll play Magic the Gathering. I'm not like super into it, but I will draft cards with my friends. So I don't have a Magic the Gathering collection myself. I do have an arena account, so I'll play online sometimes. The one thing I really like about Magic and that I hope that they maybe start to implement in Pokemon is the idea of a limited format. I like that you can just open the packs of Magic cards and build Mm -hmm. the deck out of those cards and then play them against somebody else. That to me is really cool game design, and I like that about Magic. Uh, I'm not super into standard ma- magic or into, uh, you know, into their other formats. You know, Commander, it, it's a lot. But I do really like the limited magic formats. So I've taught myself enough magic to know how to play. And I know how to play. But I don't really, like, look up the names of the... I don't really look up the cards. I don't look up any in-depth strategies. I just play to play because I think drafting is fun. So I enjoy magic on a very casual level. And it's actually really refreshing to play a game just purely casually because I do Pokemon like super competitively. So it's like, I'm not really trying to do magic super competitively because I already put all my competitive energy into Pokemon. So it's just like, it's nice to, you know, to be playing a game of magic and my opponent drops a card and I'm like, what's that? I've never heard of that. You know, it's actually, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's exciting being new at something. And I don't really want to ruin that by like getting too, you know, too into it. So I like that. Uh, I play video games. I play a lot of retro video games. I love GameCube games. I've been playing through a lot of the Zelda games. Again, I just beat Wind Waker recently. Played Ocarina of Time recently. Working through Majora's Mask. Uh, I like retro video games a lot. Remind me of, uh, you know, my childhood, which I really enjoy. But I also play new games for the Switch. Played through most of the new Pokemon Snap. Uh, I think Breath of the Wild, probably my favorite video game that's been released in the last handful of years or so. I absolutely love that game. It like kind of, I felt like helped me reimagine what a video game could even possibly be, which is, uh, you know, which is really neat. So uh, I definitely play some video games, but a lot of times I'll get so kind of involved in my work and so kind of involved in like thinking about what I'm going to do while streaming, what I'm going to do while, you know, doing YouTube. And I spend all day so dialed in that when I get home, I don't really want to play games anymore because I spent all day playing games. So it's really like if I got to, you know, when I get home, I like to do things where I'm kind of disconnected because I spend all day connected. So I like to do things like skateboard. Uh, I've actually got a skateboard ramp right over there in my studio, which is like super fun. I like to get out, be active. I like to rock climb. I like to run uh, and do things like that uh, to help stay healthy as well when I'm not uh, when I'm not playing games. Oh, yeah. First of all, I very much appreciate that you said like draft format or like Arcia Diagapalkia, because I probably would have just been like ADP or like draft because I am not that proper. Also, yeah, I also play Magic the Gathering and I've been drafting for 
a few months like back now I've restarted in my drafting like experience and it's awesome. It's I fun. think that it's yeah. just such a, a such a great format because you can crack open a few packs and just send it around and, and make a deck and you know that you'll be on an equal level footing as everybody else. And you know that you got to decide which cards you want and you built this deck yourself. Exactly. So it, that's it, what I love about it. Just to play it. Right. Is yeah. that everybody gets three packs and then, you know, everybody's on the same level. Right. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. You don't have to have a collection. It's not about who has the most cards, you know. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then about Breath of the Wild, that that was such a great game. I mean, the exploration parts of it, the, the fact that you could just go anywhere that you wanted to. There was no confines where it's like in a game like Super Mario Odyssey, let's just say you are you do get to like decide which places you go and you do get a lot of openness, but you're still confined to a direct path as to which as to how you play because you're going from Cap Kingdom to that one island kingdom to right metro city or whatever so it's a defined path whereas like breath of the wild like just go to what you do <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like, just, have yeah fun. exactly and there's speed runners who just go straight to ganon it which is insane <laughs> but you could you could beat the game however you want to beat the game and that to me is just really yeah what's your favorite like creatures in breath of the wild because i like the the blue-faced lionels because those guys are just Ooh. so cool they're so scary. I know. So scary. <laughs> they hurt. Oh my gosh. I love the Gorons. Uh, I think the Gorons are so sick. Yeah, they're probably my favorite. The Zoras are also really fun. I think probably the Gorons. Mm, great ones, too. Uh, but the whole reason why I like the blue face Lionel is that they just come in and just completely wreck you. So you have to have a lot of skill to deal and with strategy. It. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's one of the fun things about the game, too, is that you just, you know, there's nothing telling you what you can and can't do. But like sometimes you'll wander into an area and just get your butt kicked. And you're like, ah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I was not ready for that. I was not prepared. Like, you have to like like the, the, when the when the blue face Lionel finds you, you're like far far enough away to where you either don't see him or you are you zooming in to see him and right. that's just scary like he can just send you for miles away but yeah I, I i really do love breath of the wild actually my cousin and my uncle were the first ones to introduce it to me and i have loved it ever since so what is your favorite game or project that you've worked on just anything that you've done like what's your favorite Oh boy, favorite project that I've worked on. I was really excited about the Top Deck Academy projects that uh, that I did for the Pokemon Company. If I were to point to anything that I'm the most proud of, it would probably be that because I mean, I got to be on Pokemon's YouTube channel, you know, that just the Pokemon Company, not like Pokemon other, you know, sort of whatever. It was just like they're the front page of their YouTube channel. I got to be honest. So that was really exciting. And I think that that was kind of affirmation of, you know, the hard work, kind of the culmination of all the hard work that I've been putting into the channel and all that for years. And then finally getting that opportunity to actually work with, with Pokemon has been really exciting. And if I were to put some stuff on my resume, which is actually funny, like at this point, you know, when I was growing up, you know, being a gamer was not a job. You couldn't do that. And even when I was going to school, I graduated college in 2011, right? Smartphones were like barely out. When I went away to college, 
a lot of my friends didn't have cell phones uh, when I went to college. So like Twitch streaming didn't become a thing until a few years after I graduated. And uh, and that wasn't a job at the time. So to kind of have all of this evolve in my adulthood has been really exciting to be a part of. And uh, then to, you know, to eventually be able to work my way up into now being able to you know work with and represent the Pokemon company has been has been very exciting. So, Pokemon Company, like that's the brand that you are using. You are um, playing Pokemon all the time, and then finally you get like chosen by them. That's crazy. I think that if I were just like you, or if, like Pokemon Company were like that, I'd be I'd be ecstatic. I'd be jumping up and down. And I think that that's an awesome opportunity, and it's great that you that you worked hard and you got where you wanted to be you know you you play pokemon like every day and 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 then and eventually you get to you get to the point where pokemon themselves like the the big corporation the big boss is coming down and saying (laughs) hey you want to work with us and and that's that's awesome yeah and i i've talked to other people in other interviews who have talked about how like they've they played like the beta testing of Hearthstone and stuff. And I was also like, that's so cool. You got, you got to work on Hearthstone. You got to play the beta testing. And it was awesome to, to hear how people get to like work on the stuff that the stuff that they do, right? Like you play Pokemon. So you got to work with Pokemon and how he was a, uh, he was an artist on Hearthstone. So he got to beta test Hearthstone. And that was like crazy. That was crazy. But yeah, I think that's awesome. that You made your way up, right? Like you had, it's exciting like, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work you know but uh if there's anything that i've learned in my life is that you know you apply yourself to something you love something you work hard at it just uh you know and, and just be genuinely uh loving to the people around you and those kind of opportunities will uh will present themselves is is what i've found so yeah absolutely i think that if you're a big part of the community then people will see you and, and eventually you might you do probably get what you want and I think that that is great. I think that I think that you totally deserve it, though. I appreciate that, Noah. Thank you. So, how did you get to work with Pokey Beach? Pokey Beach, yes. So when I when I first started playing the game, I taught, I learned how to play by reading articles and things like that, and watching YouTube videos. And then, you know, as someone who is a creative person myself. I'd always kind of dreamed of like, oh my gosh, I think it'd be so cool to be able to like write articles or make YouTube videos or something like that. And then Poke Beach was like the biggest Pokemon news website at the time. And they didn't do an article program. There were some other article programs with six prizes, article programs, and some other ones were big ones at the time. This is around 2015. And then I won a regional championship um, in the... Mm-hmm. Uh, winter of 2015 and uh, it might have been early spring but yeah, it was actually february 14th we remember it was valentine's yeah so uh you know in the winter of 2014 or 2015 I won my first regional championship uh very excited about that and it was also the first regional championship ever produced by the pokemon company so they had like a whole camera crew there and they did you know the whole works and everything and streamed it wow, the whole shebang the whole shebang yeah usually they don't do that for regional championships they do that for like nationals and worlds but like <laughs> they did it for this regional championship is the first regional they ever produced so it's really exciting to have that recorded as well so like a lot of people saw it and then i guess john the guy who uh, runs poke beach saw it 
and uh, was like, hey, I think you'd be a good fit. Help us lead our, you know, article writing program. Would you like to be a part of it? And, you know, me, you know, being interested in content creation was like, oh, yeah, this is something that I had always wanted to do. I'd love to do it. So teamed up at Poker Beach for a couple of years and did articles. And I did that all the way up until I started making YouTube videos. Going back to that one part you talked about, like looking up articles and reading about, and getting into the game. I've played three different games. I played Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic. Yeah. I play all three now. So you don't know how many like videos I've had to watch to get into each game because Yu-Gi-Oh! is, I think, is the most confusing. It's the hardest to get into, I think. And I tried to get other people into that. My my dad knows. My dad knows. But yeah, I've had to watch a lot and, and read a lot of articles to just get into those games. And I think that that's such an alignment. Like you you to get into those games uh, and look to uh, look up stuff and to like become. But for you, you you actually went to regionals, so actually that that worked out a little better for you than for me. But I'm still young, so maybe you're maybe super young. You're 13 years old. Yeah, man. I. Didn't even start playing the game until I was 21 or 22. I mean, like, you know, you're you're ahead of the game. I'm telling you, streaming this kind of digital content creation wasn't a thing that just anybody could do when I was your age, right? Uh, in order to create a radio broadcast or something like that, you would have had to go to broadcasting school and things like, you know what I mean? Like you would have had a communication arts degree is what you would have needed. Now, everything's do it yourself. You can pretty much teach yourself how to do a skill on YouTube or whatever. YouTube came out while I was in high school to give you an idea. You know, uh, YouTube did not exist before I was in about 10th or 11th grade. So looking up and teaching yourself something on YouTube was not exactly a thing. So in order to teach myself how to edit videos, I was like reading the instruction manuals <laughs> and things like that. Uh, you know, reading message boards. There were message boards. I would like read message boards, you know, and forums, lots of forum reading and stuff like that. But now it's like, you know, information is just super accessible. And, uh, and I think it's a, it's a great time to be, a, you know, someone who's interested in content. That being said, you know, now everybody can produce content. So then how do you stand out as a content creator, right? Since content is now so accessible. One of the cool things about it, because Every single niche, you know, Pokemon TCG is a niche. It's a small community, actually, of people who play the Pokemon trading card game competitively. But I can create content for that, for that community. And, uh, you know, if you're if you want to watch videos about Pokemon cards, like I make videos about Pokemon cards every day. So there's somebody out there doing that. If you're interested in trains, there's somebody out there making videos about trains. If you're interested in astronauts, there's someone out there making videos about astronauts, you know. So it's pretty cool that, you know, for any interest that exists, there's somebody making content about it. Oh, yeah. And going back to like me growing up and like knowing how to play these card games, I learned Pokemon like on the playground. We were playground rules. So it was like no energy. It was just like, of course, it was just like best attack wins. And, yep. and that's it. And, I, and so then when I started to actually learn, I guess I'm sure like people around me looked at me like some sort of like elitist. Do you know how to actually play? Like, like that's what I was asking. And maybe, maybe they were like, sure. But they obviously didn't because because everyone in this kind of district, most people don't know how to like haven't read like manuals or like rule books or haven't looked it up. They just generally 
people around them teach them how to play in this in a certain way. So when I started learning, I think it was a little different to everyone around me because they had no idea what I was like playing like. And then eventually I shifted over to Yu-Gi-Oh! by this counselor I had in my aftercare system, which was, uh, his name was Mr. Pablo. And all my other friends are still playing with like the Pokemon cards. And I moved up to like Yu-Gi-Oh! So I played with Mr. Pablo a lot uh, and he taught me. And then finally uh, a summer camp, I think I'd mentioned earlier, I learned how to play magic by this guy named Corey. And I ended up playing for a while. And then I kind of went on hiatuses between because I wanted to play certain different games. It's hard balancing three. But yeah. now I'm kind of, yeah, now I'm kind of there. Although mostly for me, Pokemon is digital. And then I play magic and Yu-Gi-Oh in real life, usually one day per weekend so, or one playing time per day of the weekend so right, right. i usually play on saturday i usually play um magic and then on sunday i usually play Yu-Gi-Oh. and then I'm, i usually play pokemon during the weekday uh, digitally obviously you know pokemon tcg but yeah i mean that's how i kind of came up and it was just a slow little rise but i think it all started with me like kind of learning about it whereas my peers were just slamming down their mega rayquazas without pay without actually having the, the ex card and then just attack no no rhyme or reason so i think one of the biggest things is that you should uh learn more about it if you're a kid listening to this podcast for all the listeners out there yeah just learn just a little bit more because you might be playing wrong and i'm sure that uh, i'm not the only one well i think it's fun you know the learning is fun mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a mature take, you know, uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, I certainly played with playground rules as well, you know, but then as I continued my interest in the hobby, you know, I was like, yeah, I went, ended up going to a league, right? Uh, and I went to a league for the first time. The league leaders taught me how to play. And I took, it only took one afternoon for them to teach me how to play. And then once I had an idea of how to play, then I could teach all my friends how to play. You know, and, you know, some friends didn't want to learn how to play that way, but some did. And, you know, we ended up building tighter friendships that way because, you know, now we had this thing that we were doing. We were opening packs of cards. We're like, oh, I can put this in my deck. That's really cool. I, I have a cool water card. You have a cool lightning card. Let's trade, you know, and then I'll put that in my deck and you put that in your, you know, exactly. It gives some direction to the hobby. It gives some direction to your collecting, uh, which just makes it more fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love trading. There was this one time, though, I was pretty stupid because my sister, had, for my birthday that year, had which she, she barely ever gives me anything. She usually just tags along with my with my print gift. But for that year, she had given me two Pokemons. I think she had given me Keldeo EX and then Deoxys EX. And I ended up trading them to this kid. And then my sister was super upset about it. It didn't to me. Those cards wouldn't really make a dent in like what I had. I didn't. I wasn't very uh, like. I didn't have many popular cards, but I think that like because like having two EXs compared to like however many everyone else had was not incredible at, at that time. But my sister was just like freaking out because she had gotten these like cards off the internet and she wanted me to keep them. But it ended up being fine. My sister doesn't remember it. But she doesn't really pay much attention to Pokemon anymore, but she used to like it. She used to like Pokemon like Cricketot or Minchino because those are her kind of thing. But she never really played with me. She kind of, she, once in a while she would play, but she wouldn't play by like, by like either playground rules or like regular rules. She would play by like her own little thing where like 
you kind of split a deck and you flip over the top card and whoever's HP was highest would win. <laughs> like like a like a war style thing. I mean, I had a lot of fun with, with Pokemon back in the day, but now it's actually like a real hobby, like a real thing. And I, I don't even I don't even know how it became this, but now I actually now I have a lot of fun just playing playing Pokemon. And also, one of my favorite decks is Maractus because you posted the video about the Maractus coin flip deck. So I just want to say that that that's a been a lot of fun for me, and that you inspired that. And that's one of the, like my main decks playing Pokemon now. I use that, and then I use Rollaboom to equip the forest from the deck, and it's just so much fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. So on to the next question: Does your family understand your career? And were they supportive in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, my family definitely understands. My mom watches me on Twitch and will like gift subs and things like that. And 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 my dad is super supportive as well. Uh, my mom's a very creative person. She's a children's librarian. So the idea of like creating content to be shared, she really gets that because she creates like story times for kids, you know, at the library. And I create, you know, streams for, you know, people who watch or listen at work, you know, for the most part. They stream from nine to three. So most of my audience is at the office. They're at work and they listen. So it's kind of like I'm the radio. Some people will not even watch. They just put it on the back and just listen, right, while I play. So my mom definitely gets it. My dad does too. My dad has always been super supportive of me and uh, my various endeavors. And, uh, you know, and he's a doctor. He's a neuropsychologist, uh, you know. And it's, uh, you know, super smart, super successful. But like, you know, I wanted to go to school for art. And he was totally cool with that, totally supportive, you know. And then I went through a bunch of different, you know, kind of jobs in my 20s, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I think, you know, my parents have been very proud of, of the work that I've done. And they get really excited, you know, when I get opportunities. And uh, they're really excited about the growth of the studio. They're really excited about my, you know, sponsorships and you know, my dad will message me, you know, sometimes he'll watch a video uh, of oh, my YouTube channel, you know, he'll he'll message me about various videos and things. And he'll be like, I don't understand a word that you said, but it looked great, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, and that that really means a lot. And then, of course, my parents get really excited when I do work for Pokemon, like the official Pokemon company, too. And uh, even when I was just competing, you know, my parents were very supportive of me as a runner as well. They would come to all my track meets, all my cross country meets and watch me there. I couldn't have asked for more supportive parents, for sure. So I think like, because before I started creating content, I was going to tournaments and they understood that because I would go to running races, running, you know, meets and things like that. So like when I started going to tournaments, that was like the same thing, right? Just now I'm playing cards before I was running. Now I'm playing cards. So they got that. And then whenever I would like get on stream and there'd be like casters commentating over my matches, they get really excited and they'd watch, you know, at home and stuff like that and cheer me on, even though they had no idea what was going on in the game. You know, they, they still get excited about it. So so then that was like a natural progression. Now I'm working within the industry and, and, and they're still very supportive. Yeah. And as you probably could already tell, my mom and my dad are both very supportive because they let me do this. I mean, right. this is just this is incredible. Now I'm meeting with people like you and, and this is awesome. And also my my dad and my mom are super supportive in the way that I've dyed my hair maybe three or four times now. Oh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. And you could see the pictures. In 2017, 18, I went as like Odell Beckham Jr. with the blonde hair. And then I switched it to like 
Uh, my last one was orange, and I think the one before that was blue or red or something like that. But then before that, I went blonde. So I've done a ton of different stuff with my hair and stuff with other and stuff with other things. And my parents are super supportive of that. And of course, they're like funding me to go to this comic book store every weekend. So that's something. And I mean, like, I they've definitely helped me out a lot, and I've been uh, very thankful to have those kind of parents. All right, so let's continue on. Uh, the next question is, where do you think gaming is headed, like card games or even video games? Um, I've talked about this quite a bit on my channel. Uh, the question is, you know, a lot of times, do you do all, is the fate of all card games that they end up being digital games, right? There's a Pokemon trading card game online, there's Magic Arena, uh, there's Hearthstone. Uh, will eventually card games like fade and will it all just become digital? I think the answer is no. I think there's something very cool about collecting cards, trading with your friends, meeting at somebody, meeting at somebody's house or just meeting in a tournament hall and playing a game across from somebody else, right? It's like the same question. You could just play chess digitally, right? But there's still something about playing chess at a table that I think will always be a part of that community. Uh, and I think the same thing goes for tabletop games and tabletop gamers, right? Because Dungeons and Dragons exists and <laughs> has a huge fan base and it has been growing a ton, right? Now, what is, why does there need to be a tabletop fantasy game if you could just go play World of Warcraft, right? It's because they're different and they're different experiences and actually meeting with your friends and playing a tactile game has a, an entirely different experience than playing a, uh, a digital game online. So I, I think that the future of gaming is very bright. People, you know, love, uh, love getting together and playing games. Gaming has been a part of human existence as far back as history goes. There have been games that humans have played together. And I don't think that that is stopping anytime soon, for sure. And, uh, you know, esports are becoming a thing now, you know, and the owners of basketball teams are picking up uh, you know, their own esports leagues and things like that for, you know, your your 2K games and things like that. So, you know, and then, of course, with like your League of Legends, the huge cash prizes and, and your games like that, uh, Rocket League, too. Uh, there's some really big games out there that just draw huge audiences, which I think is very exciting as well. It's just, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be in the gaming industry because gaming, which used to kind of be a super kind of, you know, nerd alternative kind of subculture is now main culture. It is now, it's what's cool, it's what's popular, it's everybody does it, that kind of thing. You know, comic books used to be nerd stuff, right? You know, I mean, like way before you were born, I'm talking like 70s, 80s, you know, comics used to be nerd stuff. Now everybody goes and sees the Spider-Man movies. Everybody sees the Iron Man movies. Everybody sees those. Those are your huge blockbuster hits, right? Nerd culture is normal culture. That is like your nerd culture is popular culture is what I should say. Now, nerd culture is popular culture. And uh, that's really good for the future of gaming because these kinds of things are uh, are in the popular mainstream. I mean, even with Pokemon, Pokemon's hitting a huge spike right now in popularity. The Pokemon cards are very popular. The video games are more popular than they've ever been. So I think it's uh, the future very bright, very bright for Pokemon and gaming in general. Oh, yeah. And going back to that chess analogy you made, I literally last week saw someone bring out their magnetic chessboard in front of the pizza place that's literally local and start playing a game of chess with their friend mm -hmm. compared to like digital chess, which my friends do play. But the fact that they could still that someone 
two of my friends would still bring out a literal magnetic chessboard that they probably bought on the internet and play each other is something that's actually like really important to card games and gaming in general, like the connection between people in real life. And I know that people may think that video games and card games are just going to fade out into just technology and we're just not going to come out. But that's not true. A lot of times the biggest places to play are um, at your local game stores or comic book stores. And a lot of that connection is what brings people back. And like every time I go to the comic book store, the place is packed. It's never just like, it's never lower and lower, even after COVID, because now people are coming back and it's, it's just becoming better and better. And I think that the industry is only going to grow from here, honestly. I don't think that it's going to go down or even move to digital. I mean, I know that games have made digital card TCG, like Magic and Pokemon, but I still think that a lot of times it's going to be bigger to play in, in real life rather than just play online. For sure. All right, so um, we're going to be heading to the final questions. Yeah, let's get into those. So first of all, what are the origins of your gamer tags, uh, Enjoy Friend and Tricky Jim? Enjoy friend I've had since I was in about your age. Uh, I was getting into skateboarding. AOL Instant Messenger was how me and my friends all communicated. This was when the internet was like a new thing. AOL Instant Messenger chat rooms. And I was really into skateboarding. And Enjoy was my favorite company because it was the company that Rodney Mullen skated for at the time. And he was my favorite skater. So Enjoy was just a skateboarding company that I really liked. And then friend was, I was just a friend. So that was it, you know, <laughs> uh, it was really just that goofy and simple. And I didn't really put a lot of thought into it, but tag that, I, you know, you just make a tag and then you stick with the tag, you know, for a while. And, you know, I may eventually phase out enjoy friend and, you know, convert everything to tricky gym. Uh, now that that's kind of more or less my business, you know, my tag probably should become tricky gym in all places, but yeah. That's something that I'm in the process of doing. Tricky Jim, I was thinking about the name for my YouTube channel, and uh, I really like Team Rocket's Pokemon and like the Team Rocket sets. And I think that, you know, those are some of the coolest sets in the Pokemon TCG. Uh, there is a Pokemon card called Rocket's Tricky Jim, and it's a stadium card. That's where the name Tricky Jim came from. I thought it would be a neat name for a YouTube channel because it was like there are various gyms in the Pokemon universe. Rocket has a, Team Rocket apparently has a tricky gym, you know, that is, you know, only based in the cards, right? Just like uh, a small little, you know, kind of Easter egg thing. But there's a Rocket's tricky gym card. So then I was like, okay, well, what would the tricky gym be like? You know, it, it would be run by Team Rocket, kind of mischievous stuff would go on there. I ended up falling in love with the name. Because I thought not only was it cool that this is a gym run by Team Rocket and there's a lot of like potential there because it hasn't actually been made a thing in any of the games or shows or anything like that. It's just like this kind of like uh, and honestly, the artwork on the Rocket's Tricky Gym card is horrible. You can barely even tell what's on it. it. You know what I mean? It's just like this old card from 2005 with like really bad artwork, but it inspired creativity for me. And then the idea of like a tricky gym, you know, tricks. You could do tricks on a skateboard. I love skateboarding, tricky, you know, stuff, you know. I thought that that was cool. So I thought it, it kind of went with the whole skateboarding vibe that I really love and also, you know, was uh, Pokemon oriented. While not having 
the name Pokemon in the name. Because that was very important because if I ever wanted to make merchandise or like a shirt or anything like that and sell it, it can't have Pokemon's name on it because that is copyright infringement. So yeah, so Tricky Jim was a, was a good reference to Pokemon with, without being like, uh, you know, copyright uh, infringement or anything like that. That's awesome. I don't even think I would come up with something like that. Uh, I did have a YouTube channel for a little while doing like pack openings which is now Mm -hmm. a gamer story the youtube channel but it was named noah game master which i now that i think about it it's not the worst name but it's not the best one either (laughs) so um but i I think that yours is uh great and i guess it still sticks because if you made it before and it's still going strong then yeah that's what everyone knows you by now right for sure yeah so next question is what is the rarest card you own Rarest card, I probably, I have a first edition Rocket Zapdos from Gym Challenge. That set was released in like, I think year 2000, like very, you know, 20 years ago. And I pulled the card from a pack myself, uh, which is very exciting. I pulled it probably yeah in like 2013 or so. Uh, but you know, there was a mom and pop card shop that just had one pack, you know, and I bought it. Zapdos is like my favorite Pokemon. Uh, and I pulled the rocket Zapdos, which was like my favorite card, first edition pack. So I kept it and then I eventually sent it away to get it graded and it got graded as a PSA 10. So now it is, uh, it's probably my rarest card. Yeah. Probably that. Wow. PSA 10. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. So that's really oh my exciting. Gosh. Wow, I, I can't believe you just one pack and it turned out to be one, your favorite Pokemon, and two, the, the Rocket version of that Pokemon, which is funny because I that love Team Rocket, ties I told you, yeah. You just uh-huh. said. yeah. Yep. Which, so that's like a double uh, right there. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. I mean, uh, I haven't like amassed like this crazy Pokemon collection like I know you have, but I have some cards. I think that that is awesome when you get a cool card because then you feel like, oh, I've really integrated myself into this game and I've gotten this awesome card and now I can keep it or I can play it or I can do whatever I want with this thing. And it's just like, I just got this out of a pack. Wow. You feel the endorphins like going into your brain. And you feel really good when you pull like that kind of card and you like run around and you show it to all your friends. You're like, ah, I got this card. <laughs> That's, but, yeah, there's certainly, uh, you know, a lot of nostalgia thinking about that, you know, when I was a kid and then like, you know, meeting up the playground and trading and doing all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. That was all. And you hear about, like, oh, you, our one friend got this card, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, exciting. Yeah. The big, yeah. The big craze for, um, my, for my little friend group was Mega Rayquaza. Yeah. I had one. I think a few of my other friends had one. And also, I, I had a, a store, a comic book store, that was like a walkable distance from, mm. from me. So I would go there every Friday because that's when they held Pokemon tournaments. Mm. And like, I feel like amongst, because people played like really, really good decks. Mm-hmm. But amongst the people who were newer to the game, Mega Rayquaza was like, oh my god, he has like 300 health points. Like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do against this card? Or I need this card right now. And I mean, eventually when I learned like, like how to play really well, like better, better, because I wouldn't say really well, because the shop ended up closing down hmm. and turning into this place that's now called Scoops Ice Cream, which is pretty good. Um, 
the yeah, but um, once I ended up getting better, I learned like just not to touch that card because I don't think it was my playstyle and I didn't really know how to build around it. So I ended up making two decks. I had this electric deck and I had this fire deck, and I was lucky because one, cause I was really lucky because I have a deck box. So what one time I accidentally ran it under the sink. Mm. Which is bad, that's but not good. my deck box saved it, which is perfect. Nice. So, perfect moment there. But those are my two decks, and that was what I did until the place closed down. But now I have another place to go. I, I mean, I've been going to the other place before I went to the place that was walkable distance. So, I think that, but it was just easier for me because it was closer. But I've been ranting. I've, I've gone on way too long on this topic. So, well, final question here. So... If you had to guess, what do you think the next best decks will be? And and how do you think that Pokemon will like evolve and what do you think it'll become? I think out of Chilling Rain, it seems like the Shadow Rider Calrex deck will be very good. Uh, I certainly <laughs> think that that will be a popular deck that a lot of players will play. The Shadow Rider Calrex deck is weak to Darkness type, uh, which then could mean that Eternatus VMAX mm-hmm. may make a comeback uh, or Eternatus VMAX will continue being strong uh, and since shadow rider calrex hits for shifu v max for weakness you know maybe we see kind of like a you know eternatus rapid striker shifu v max and your shadow rider calrex kind of making a, a splash in uh in the pokemon tcg where pokemon will go from here i don't know you know i think for the sword and shield block it looks like pokemon v max are going to be the thing you know that there's going to be these big Pokemon VMAX, basically stage one Pokemon that are worth three prizes. My hope is that the future of the game will slow down a little bit, that they'll stop printing Pokemon that are worth three prizes, because it just makes the game longer. And I really like sitting down for like a lengthy game that has a bunch of different turns where you can execute your strategy. The pace of the game is certainly picked up uh, quite a bit, which, you know, is, is good for newer players, maybe, or for... Uh, you know, for ease of accessibility. But I think that they can find a balance where uh, maybe the game is easy enough to pick up, but still complicated enough to have top-level strategy involved. So my hope is that they continue to work towards that and that they continue to make Stage 2 and Evolved Pokemon viable strategies for sure. So that is my hope. Now, I do want to add on to this real quick. Where do you think Picaron is going? Oh, yeah, Pikachu and Zekrom tag team, just to make sure that everyone in the audience yeah. knows. Uh, I think that, that that deck is just going to be very strong until its rotation. I think that, uh, you know, Pikachu and Zekrom tag team GX is one of the strongest Pokemon cards ever printed. Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX is one of the strongest GX attacks paired with Zashian. It's one of the strongest basic okay. Pokemon ever printed. I think that these two strategies are going to be top tier strategies until those tag team GX Pokemon rotate. And then Lightning decks will kind of have to find their own way. I think Zero Aura V is a strong new lightning type card uh, that might be in our Chilling Rain set. I think that Jolteon V Max, another strong lightning type card that's been revealed from the EV Hero set. Mm-hmm. I think the, the future of lightning type is still very strong. And, uh, you know, Pikachu and Zekrom Tag Team GX still see play in expanded format. So, yeah. I think that's I think that we're coming to the end here. Um, so thank you so much, Mr. Tricky Jim. Uh, everyone listening, please go follow him on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, wherever. Anything that you want to say? Thanks for having me, Noah. And hopefully you have a great day and uh, good luck with the future of your podcast. Thank you, Tricky Jim, for coming on the show. 
I'm so glad you were able to discuss how Pokemon has affected your life and helped you build some long-lasting relationships. I thank you all for people listening and understanding of how professional gaming and playing Pokemon can be a lot of hard work, but also truly fulfilling. For more Tricky Jim, please follow him on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, make sure you subscribe to get updates and listen to all of my upcoming guests. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at thegamestory.com. Thanks for listening.